0: Welcome to another episode of Metal Mastermind. Co-founder, co-host Jason Stallworth, also co-founder and co-host The Great.
1: in Canelis. We're back, dude. Yep. Another one in the tank. We're so close to the end of the year, 2023.
0: You want me to tell you why I'm hungry right now? Why? Well, because there's something we're going to talk about, and it makes me think of a meatball sub, because the word sub's in there, and that's subgenres. (laughs) Yeah. This oh guy. man,
1: Fantastic,
0: brother! Yeah, we started listening to you. Oh, can do sub-genres. I mean, Do subgenres really matter? I mean, we're gonna we're gonna talk about this guys. Do do <clears throat> because I feel like today it's not necessarily a bad thing. Let, let me take you guys back in time, just for about you know, you know less than forty five seconds here. And I could be wrong. This is based on my experience, right? We always we always find our truth based on our experience. but someone else's truth may be different. So. I, I was born in 1975. I was recording songs off the radio at a very young age, around 8, 9, 10. And this was like pop stuff, you know, and some rock, you know, The Police, Genesis, uh, Cyndi Lauper, Madonna, Prince, all that good stuff, right? Um, and then later I got into metal in the late 80s, started playing guitar, 89, and so forth. Speaking of rock and metal, uh, my bands I, w- I was influenced by, Metallica, Megadeth, you know, Slayer, Scorpions, right. Uh, White Snake, Guns N' Roses, named just about any of the hair metal bands, you know, Bon Jovi, Poison, uh, all these bands, Judas Priest, Maiden. What I found that was interesting, sure, there were some metal snobs. I don't mean to call them metal snobs, but it's kind of what they were, like, whoa, you're a poser if you listen to Bon Jovi. You can't listen to Slayer and listen to that. But for the most part, above all that, there were a lot of people that just listened to it all it was like it's rock and roll and heavy metal yeah you had some subgenres or whatever but it really really wasn't as defined whereas now dude you've got all kind of subgenres and i've found there's a little snobbiness sometimes in the subgenre well i only listen to neoclassical prog metal or i only listen to uh black death metal or whatever you know so you got all these subgenres um Hey, let's let's oh, jump man. into this, man. How do you feel about that? All these subgenres. I mean, is it is it necessary? I mean, is it metal, metal, uh, or are they really important?
1: Let's see. How do I think about this? Um, as the sirens go off behind me because they're looking for me. So,
0: <laughs> no, hey, I, uh, New York City. I, yeah. uh,
1: <laughs> that's how it is, right? Um, I feel subgenres are a beautiful thing. I think it helps to give a little bit more definition to what we are as musicians and the kind of things we do i do think sometimes we can get a little carried away with it um when we try to be too clicky about it so that kind of reminds me of like being in high school and just you know oh here are the artsy people and here are the you you know the jocks and you are the
0: plastic
1: women, whatever. It's like
0: With plastic women. I love that. Too. Yeah, I right. know. Like I'm thinking yeah. mean
1: girls or something. I'm like, uh, nah, dude, this is we're, we're just we're just humans. <laughs> you know, and I uh, and I, I mean, I live in New York, so I'm very, you know, much surrounded by a lot of culture all the time. You know, like we got an Indian spot down the street over here. Mm, you I go another it. block that way, and you got, you know, Argentinian food and it's just like and you know, French bakery over here, whatever. It's it's beautiful to see a lot of different cultures together. I, I think that. where it becomes really challenging is, you know, how do you stick out and you know uh create something that's sustainable from it? Because that's that's where um I think a piece of everybody though, like loves little niche things. You know, I'm <laughs> like for example like I love playing Dungeons and Dragons. That's like a big thing that I love to do on my off days. You know, it's, I play it's with cool, my man. I mean, yeah, Dungeons and Dragons. It's dude, cool. You know? <laughs> it's cool. It it definitely is cool. I mean, you know, and there's a there's a vibe that I have with the people that I play with. And you know, we'll 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 pick out certain campaigns that suits our interests and they can be very specific. And but I think everybody has like a little piece of themselves that likes that really cool, specific thing. And they could love bigger, more, you know, I um, would you say general ideas as well. Like just because you have something that's very specific doesn't mean it's not relatable. So I think that a lot of people and you'd be surprised who might like the stuff that you create, you know, um, for example, I mean, like my music is very cinematic. but. Um, actually, as, as I've been going through this process of, uh, making the music video for for my, my album, I've started to realize that this music plays very well to people who like Broadway. And Mm. if you like Broadway, you know, there's a good chance that maybe you like Disney, you know, (laughs) and you know, like, there's like, there's like connecting forces that allow people to find you in this way. Right. So. That was very interesting to me, you know, and, and, you know, sometimes you don't realize what it is that you're creating also until you, you come to see the fruition of your work. Um, and that can be revealing in many, many ways. Um, so it's beautiful. It can be overwhelming. I would say don't stress about it too much as an artist first. I think you should just create the art that you want to create. And then you know you know worry about how do you define that to somebody because you have to still explain it to somebody and you have to explain it in a way that they understand it like they get it right. That's the other side to this, and sometimes being specific helps. Um, Sometimes maybe it's not as necessary because if you just create thrash metal, hey, you know there's thrash metal everywhere, so you know that's that's fine. But yeah, that's how I feel about it. Uh, What do you think about it?
0: It's it's always been kind of a struggle for me. Um, my last album I just released, you know, this this December, December 1st, Overcometh, which is, um, you know, there, there was a lot of like, I guess, classic heavy metal undertones there, but maybe in a modern way too, because um, I love bands like I love, you know, I grew up on Metallica, Guns N' Roses, all the bands that we talked about earlier. But I also, you know, as I got older, Probably about, you know, 10, 15, maybe 20 years ago, I started getting into the European metal bands that I'd never heard of before, like Nightwish, Sonata, Artica, Evergrey, I love uh, those Genity, bands. i mark, you know, Epica, Delane. So you know, oh, i yeah. become more attached to that style for some reason, that European style. But I still have my my kind of classic thrash metal meets Joe Satriani roots. I'm a big Satriani fan. I love Sach, Uh So he's to date my favorite guitar player. Um, just because he knows how to truly replace vocals with his guitar solos. Uh, wow. and I, and I feel like he doesn't overplay and that's another conversation for another day, you know? Um, but people will often notice in my, in my instrumental tracks, cause all my albums, my first few albums are instrumental only, but this album has three instrumental tracks and you'll notice I don't solo through the entire song and not knocking people to do that, but it's like, okay. Let the song breathe a little bit, man. You know, uh, even as a lead guitar player, I don't feel the need to have the solo throughout the entire song. So, anyway, so that combined with European influence, but I also play acoustic and you know I also write a lot on acoustic and I love the acoustic sound. Um, I my singing voice is more along the lines probably Richard Marx meets Brian Adams with a lower a little bit lower register than, than those guys sing, uh, with maybe a little influence of Hetfield Mustaine too. But then i like I like singing Death metal as well, you know, so it's like well how do how do I combine all those and going back to what I've struggled with, and I don't really struggle with it so much now now, it's just kind of like I'm just gonna do what I do, and like you said, you know, do what you do, and people will find you. I'm not so worried about trying to please any one subgenre, but I'm a mix of them dude i like I plan to do some acoustic work on the next album I release next year in two thousand twenty four right Uh, But that album, you know, I I was struggling to just be acoustic and call it something else. Should I do it under a different band name or project name? Is that going to confuse people? Um, Or do I just do what I want? You know, so it's it's, and I'm still kind of on the fence on that uh, without getting stressed out about it. But just like, what's the best thing to do here? So that's kind of where I'm coming from with subgenres.
1: I have a question for you. And I don't even know if I know the answer to this. But I want to know what you think. Do you think we've uncovered every major genre this world has to offer?
0: No, I don't. I think I think because once we think we do that, something kind of new pops up, and you may or may not be a fan of it. Like this this whole uh, Polyphia uh, band, right? I I can respect the talent there, but I don't, and I don't really know. That's not really considered metal anyway. Um, just like when new metal came out, the the nu metal, right? I wasn't ever really a big fan of that, but. But I, I had to appreciate it. I, I kind of made myself appreciate it for what it was because it reached people. You know, still heavy guitars and like Lincoln Park. You know, do you know? I, I'm not a fan of the rap parts in there, but his vocals, his regular voice, was just beautiful, just amazing. You know, mm-hmm. with the cleans and the screams. So, uh, but I, I think I think it evolves, Ken. I also think though it kind of circles back around and and has like a rebirth, if that makes sense. We've seen thrash metal bands come up and evolve, right? But they're not playing the exact same thrash metal that I grew up on, right? They're a little bit different. So it's just another kind of another version. Maybe it's still thrash metal, but maybe they've kind of mixed it a little bit with some mellow death. I don't know. I think, if I can say this correctly, I think more so than more subgenres, we're getting into kind of combining some of those subgenres and it's becoming more difficult to define what it is.
1: I think we're getting well we're we're so we're so globalized now that it's it's going to be I think I don't know, I've heard the term there's nothing new under the sun quite yeah. a bit and um I have a feeling you know based upon technological boundaries and all that kind of stuff you know like what do we consider an instrument you know like i don't know how many instrument, how many new instruments have you seen that are actually taking a foothold in the industry you
0: know what i mean uh, for me personally none the, the only the only new yeah. instrument that we've seen or that i've seen at least over the past few years is not an instrument it's people using you know I call them fake instruments but like program drums and now we've got ai as a thing and, uh, and I, i'm not going to go down the road of auto-tune but those and those aren't really instruments right but i mean to answer your question i haven't really seen i mean guitar players are still playing guitar you know now the evolution of guitar more people are venturing out into seven eight and you know multiple string guitars um is that really new i'm not sure but it's becoming more prevalent it seems like but it's still a guitar right now.
1: right right and you know even if ai were to become part of the mix right let's say ai creates a new sound well wouldn't we just call that synthesis yeah, Right. That's
0: all we call it, dude. Right?
1: Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, like, once we created the synthesizer, I think, like, a lot of things in terms of sound uh, reached a point of, I don't know, defining, it was a defining moment for human history in terms of genres. Yeah. Like, we got fusion, we yeah. got, you know, so many things, and I I don't know if there's any more major genres to uncover i mean maybe i'm wrong and i i would be happy to be wrong but i don't know i know we'll have many new sub genres and you know niches that we'll uncover for sure but like i i look at it like kind of like a big tree and it's like well everything kind of stems back to if we're talking about metal it'll stem back to priest and ozzy and you know you go before those guys and you got blues and punk and you know it like, I don't know, man, because during those times, I feel like at the root of the tree, right, when it comes to music, those roots were defining because nobody really had access to each other, yeah. right? So now that we do, like, we know all these different genres that are out in the world, you know, and they're, you know, now if you, if you decide you're going to bring something that's like, traditional and ethnic i mean we just kind of put that in world music or right, you know right. we, we we just categorize it as just that if we don't know so they're kind of vague for a reason so you know now we get in more specifics and you know you're talking about like even like even renaissance kind of inspired stuff too can be well is that considered you know part classical or neoclassical uh you know those are now becoming more specific you know genres that we define under something, usually something else. Um, the,
0: the big, the big picture. Yeah, and I, I think we'll always define it under. Uh, and again, you know, we could be wrong. I mean, a you know, hundred years from now, somebody coming back listening to our podcast, if it's still out there, <laughs> like, well, these guys don't know what we're talking about. But <laughs> I do think. I think you're right. I think the well, you know, it's it's like a foundation of a house. That foundation doesn't change, right? It's the foundation. Um, Only the only thing that changes are what you build on top of that, right? The type of wood, right? The the type of roof, the, the more rooms, less rooms, more bathrooms, whatever. Like you put all these, you can do like countless things, you know, on that foundation. So rock is a foundation, metal is a foundation you could almost say that heavy metal and metal, whatever metal is kind of sits under that rock foundation. If you want to really go down to the roots, right. <clears throat> you could say a lot, all lot of that's based on blues or whatever, but yeah, you're going to have your jazz, your blues, your fusion. I think the fusion was what we didn't, didn't know what to call it. We'll call it fusion. So if it's, if it's weird, it's fusion. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I like rock and metal being separate because they are separate genres, like a rock band, like totally. the, the Foo Fighters, you know, well, that's, that's not, anywhere close to heavy metal or death metal or whatever or or metal in general um then you got your country and and whatever else you know so yeah i think you're right i think it will always be categorized under one of those subgenres but i kind of look at it as like okay well in my front yard we've got two giant oak trees one of which the roots are raised up the sidewalk which we have to do something about but that's for another day damn trees but i love it so they love to grow what can you say well, they're, they're oak trees, right? So they're these big oak trees, man, but, and they're beautiful. They, they provide a lot of shade, but there are many types of oak trees. There are many subgenres, if you will, of oak trees, but they all go back to being a type of oak tree, right? So metal, you know, where there's death metal, melodic, uh, melodic death metal, um, I don't know, yeah, 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 whatever. Technical
1: death, yeah, progressive there's so metal, many. there's,
0: there's, there's so, so many different animals.
1: genres, man. Right.
0: They all fall under metal. There's, there's a type of that metal, uh, just like a flower, something as basic as a flower. You know, uh, there are many different types of flowers. Uh, birds, you know, there, we, we love birds, uh, both the birds here in Florida, and we experienced a lot of cool birds in Thailand when we were there. But, you know, it's, it's a bluebird, it's a blue jay, it's a warbler, it's this, it's that. So, yeah, I think you're right in the sense that it's always going to kind of be categorized. It's always going to be passed down. as rock, it's uh, blues, it's... Smooth jazz. <laughs> I remember somebody, some one of my friends, like he started listening to smooth jazz. He's like, "You're gonna grow out of metal someday," and I'm like, uh, "Does that mean I have to listen to smooth jazz now?" <laughs> and we have smooth jazz on the TV sometimes for the dog, right? <laughs> but um, anyway, so yeah, I think it'll be it'll fall under one of those uh, one of those categories. You know, I I think the most important thing to can, and this is something I'm I'm constantly trying to embrace, even at 48 years old, is just is just be me as a musician and allow, allow the multiple things that you like and the multiple things that you play, maybe. Allow those to influence your style and not limit you. Um, I, was, I was talking to someone on a live uh, YouTube session a couple of weeks ago, or it's been a while, and they were asking me, hey, Jason, how can I sound more thrash metal? I want to play thrash metal. How, what do I need to do to sound more thrash? And I kind of stopped him for a second, not, not in a you know, like, belittling way, but I'm like, well, let's step back a minute. What naturally comes out when you play guitar? What is that style? And I just encourage the person, yeah, learn, learn thrash, learn the elements of it. I've got several videos for that. We've got stuff on Metal Mastermind for that. But at the same time, though, give yourself, we've said this before, Ken. give yourself the freedom to be you, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that goes back to what you and I were talking about earlier today. Is you may write a different style of music than what you listen to. And let that be okay. Sometimes I listen to, uh, you know, different styles, like different styles of black metal, like Cradle of Filth. I, I love Cradle of Filth. I think they're great. But now my style of playing and singing isn't probably is not going to come out like that. I you know. Um, I love Arch Enemy. I love Amana Mars. And I, I love singing death metal sometimes, but do I want an entire album that's nothing but death metal? Maybe someday I do that. Maybe I don't. But you know, allow yourself freedom though to just be yourself as a musician and combine your allow yourself to combine those different elements, those different sub which sometimes may be different genres altogether. You know, dude, I'm listening one moment to some Satriani, next moment to Evergreen, next moment to Amano Mars, but then I might go back and listen to Richard Marx or Brian Adams or something like that, you know, because I like that kind of stuff sometimes. Um, there are even so some, I gotta- you know, but go ahead.
1: I got a question for you. Um, and it, it's about defining genres for the future. Mm. I think something we should think about, and tell me what you th- your predictions are. Do you think that the rise of independent music is going to be the way that we set the boundaries for what genres are capable of? Or is it going to still be the leaders of the pack, you know, like the Amana the Mastodons, you know, are they going to still be the things that set the trends? Or do you think people are just going to be more globalized with independent music, finding new sounds that way, embracing that more? Or do you think people are going to still follow others?
0: There's a two two part answer. So, number one, independent musicians probably and i could be wrong and i I, like you and i both stated ken we're okay being wrong it's okay if we're wrong but i think that the independent musician will always be the independent musician and part of what makes them independent is that they're not big they're not on this grand scale so to be independent it's almost by nature by default that you're going to have a little bit different sound than what you hear uh on the radio or, or, or whatever iTunes is trying to push, you know, by the way, it's like, I, I, I listen to iTunes stations, but when I pull up iTunes, they're showing me all these artists and genres. I, you guys know I don't listen to this stuff. Why are you putting it in my face? I'm just gonna scroll down and pick what I want. Stop. You know, <laughs> anyway, another conversation for another day. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's one of the things where independent is just that I think the independent artists can make a good living. Off, you know, finding their niche, and I think part of what makes an indie artist an indie artist is just that they're not really trying to be a certain subgenre, even though it might fall under a certain subgenre. But they might be kind of just combining their influence and freely doing that. Whereas if you're on a label, the label is kind of dictating what you can and can't sound like. Right. So I I kind of hope that indie music never becomes ultra popular because. At the point, and, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I, I want people to make a living doing what they love to do. And I believe that you can. And, you know, I both believe that, right? But, but at the same time, once you cross over to where you're not an indie artist, where you're becoming super popular, well, that's when the label's probably going to reach out to you. Not a bad thing. Look, if a label came up to me and offered me, you know, a, an extremely livable income, you and I both can. uh it would be tempting not to go that route, depending on what it was, and depending on mm-hmm. how much that would excel my career as a musician or how much it might hurt my career as a musician right um it just depends on what the label would require, so yeah, I mean, I think that um I think indie is kind of always just going to be indie, you know
1: yeah i that's a very uh that's a very well thought out
0: answer I know it's not really an answer, you know what I mean and, as, and it's kind of a kind of a two part thing there you know uh, again because if you if if you become what we're talking about setting the trend then you're probably no longer an indie artist right that's that's the second part to that so I don't know man i, I want well you you bring
1: up much. a good point, which is that you know I think we've in the past we've also had this kind of play out all the time too. There were always people who are underground or people who are, you know, known in the spotlight through the labels, you know, and that's just two different lanes, I guess. Maybe there's no way to sort of compare the two because it's, they're two completely different sides of the spectrums. It's like saying, Hey, you know, uh, Democrats and Republicans, right. You know, we can be in the middle, like, no, because <laughs> we're two different yeah. mindsets. Right. So I think that's a very good way of explaining it. And, um, I think it also goes to show that when you decide to move forward as a musician, like as a young person, you know, getting into the industry, you know, and, you know, trying to navigate what they want to do. Um, I think you have to really put into account like what it is that you want out of it. Um, And if you're really in for the artistry of just expressing yourself, you know, I think independent music is very good for that. You know, just, not having the restriction of, uh, you know, deadlines and, you know, requirements from a higher up executive and marketing demands and, you know, press releases and all that crap. Right. Cause that stuff is very, very demanding. Although an independent musician can get to that point, True. you know, um, there is also the freedom that I think a lot of artists choose to be independent because, It allows them to express themselves without that restriction. But when you go towards the label side, um, they are more well known, of course. They become influential to other people, and depending on how an artist handles their relationship with a label, uh, it can have very, very big impacts. Or it could be, you know, they can kind of fall flat on their face. Um, And well, you know, I in, in that regard. With a with a label, I feel like you have a lot to uh sort of lose. Um there's there's a there's a higher chance of humiliation um, when you go for a label, which is the risk that you, you you take, but you are also there for the purpose of scalability. And um if you're looking at this as a as a business venture, then you know. Somebody who's getting onto a label would definitely heavily consider that. Um, Yeah, the independent route is difficult, um, though. You have to be okay with, you know, being underground if you're going to be independent. And I don't think people realize that when they do independent music, there are people who are an exception. I mean, like, you know, Leah McHenry is a great one who, who can create uh, a very very sizable audience being an independent musician not everybody's going to do what leah McHenry does though
0: you know well, or she's worked yeah she's worked really hard at it and did, you know and like we're, we talked about this in, in the last podcast you see the peak absolutely at, but but people don't dig below that peak and see the huge mountain under the surface that it took to yeah. get to that level and i mean she's side you know
1: she's a I, you know, to be i think she's a total workaholic she loves doing what she does you know and she lives to work on her business and her family and that's great um a lot of people aren't going to be having that temperance that you know someone like her does uh which is you know hard to come by so um I, i i think it's also very important that artists don't um, associate too much of their self-worth uh, in accordance to that, you know? And we yeah, we true. see a lot of people mimic other people um, for this, you know, sort of reason that they want to aspire to be this person, for example. Yeah. Uh, and they're like, oh, I want to be the next uh, Steve Vai, whatever, right? And they're playing their butts off in order to get to this point of virtuosity. Right. And then, you know, some people, they lose themselves to that too, because it's like, you know, how many like classical compos- uh, classical uh uh musicians have you seen branch out to do their own thing and yeah. you know be inspired by uh just the the composers of the that era or how many of them just stick to just playing those compo- compositions from from old times yeah. you know there there's there's that too um not not everybody's fit to be able to 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 compose something new uh if you are then you know there's a There's a fine balance between losing yourself to what people maybe expect of you and what they think. And this could be like, you know, the genre thing where people are trying to play to a specific genre because they think that's what is going to help sell. But if, listen, if you're not, if you're not in the position of a label, you don't need to worry about that. (laughs) You really just need to focus on what it is that you can make yourself unique. And you can make yourself stand out because of your own cool ideas. Uh, People forget that, in my opinion.
0: I'm I'm not against the label either. I've said before I'll, I'll, you know, more than likely never get on a label or or never accept. Um, But I can't really say that, Ken. And I can't, you know, I I, I thought of working with, uh, you know, Frank Headbanger in Germany of, of FHM Records just for the European distribution of the CDs. And I still may do that now that's a different a little bit that's kind of like a half and half like a hybrid label there right um i still have my stuff you know on all the platforms through cd baby uh they handle all that so i get you know they take a cut and i get the rest or whatever however, however that works but for distribution and so you know there you don't have to necessarily go all in on the label right there are ways to uh to kind of do a hybrid in that in that situation like siren does that i think Siren. You know, the metal band here in Tampa, which I'm opening for them on February 17th at the Brass Bug. We're really excited about that. Awesome. And Oblivion. And another band as well is playing night. So there's a, there's a hybrid way of doing that when it comes to distribution. It's kind of like how companies work. You know, one of my sponsors is Blackstar. Uh, but Korg actually handles a lot of their marketing and I think some of their distribution, right? So it's kind of that thing. So the, the label in this case wouldn't necessarily be telling you what to do. Now, they either accept you or they don't. Because it's gotta it fall in line with, with what they're looking for, right? Uh whereas some labels are just looking for a higher level genre like nuclear blast, right? They have a lot of bands on their label, but they're not of the all the same subgenre of metal. Um uh, now, you and I have both heard and everybody listening has probably both heard countless stories of bands getting like hosed over on the labels and i i know i'm not going to mention the name of the band but i know of a band who recently got really screwed over by a really well-known metal label i'm not going to mention names or anything like that it's not important but uh so things can happen and Mm -hmm. i i kind of think and i could be wrong we're saying i could be wrong a lot in this because hey we could be my my uh i guess my view of that is that unless you're super popular you're like you know you know the mega deaths of the world, or the kill switch engages of the world. If you're on a label, you're doing just fine. But if you're anywhere below that, you're probably really struggling. And that's when you had to ask your question: Okay, well, should I just go indie on this? Uh, because at that level, I think you take a little less risk being indie than going on a label <laughs> if you're not at that higher level, right? Because it's out of your control when you're on a label. Everything's out of your control. You know, you do what you do. But I guess where Ken and I come from is why not learn the marketing techniques and and why not learn how to do what the label does to get, you know, to get yourself out there to promote. One thing I'll say about being an indie artist, I strongly encourage you to build income streams from other sources related to your music. Um, And I, you know, give you my secret sauce. One of them is YouTube. One of them is creating courses. Ken and I, we create music courses online. So we we use our music to support us in other ways, not just relying on, definitely not relying on streaming, right? Because we'd be broke, man. I don't think we could afford (laughs) Raymond noodles, dude. But, uh, you know, so so diversifying yourself, uh, you know, I've got, you know, probably, you know, a couple of decent sized streams of income and I got probably another five or six small ones. You know what I mean? So I I think you kind of have to get out of your head the pipe dream of I'm just going to release music and be a millionaire. I'm not saying that can't happen. I'm not going to give you a limiting statement, but at the same time, learn to branch out and do other things too, which I think in this day and age, you know, is smart. I mean, you got to, you got to zero in and focus on that one thing, but you can have that one thing be diversified into, you know, other sources that relate to that one thing that you're pushing.
1: Yeah. We have to live in a world where we have to be versatile and adaptable. So you're, Spot on. And, you know, when you were talking about how, you know, less risk, you know, going indie, it's actually kind of true because really the only risk is the money that you spent to make what you did. Right. And, you know, I think most people can live with that because they can justify that I bought this, you know, pair of speakers to make my record because I'm a passionate musician, you know, and you can even chalk it up to hobbyists if you want to say it that way too, at sure. the, at the base level of all of it, right? But when you get on a level on a label, you know there's there's expectation for success, and then you're going to have that stress. You know, it's it's absolutely going to be intrinsic upon how much money you can pull in because it's it's a business, it's a market that you're pleasing to. So, and if you're, you know, this is why labels are are more interested in established artists than they are with developing a new, you know, brand new artist. You know, labels they're rarely going to take on somebody new because it's too much risk for them. They're going to it give this money. money. Yep, yeah. yeah, they're going to give this money to make this record. That person doesn't even have a following. They got to build it from the ground up. So they got to do artist development. They got to, you know, it's, it's going to take time. You know, it's not like it's going to come overnight. And if they want to make it come overnight, it's going to take a lot more money to do it. Yeah. So you have this conundrum where we live in a time where uh, streaming pays crap. compared to buying cds back in the day or vinyl records back in the day you know and there's no money coming out of the music industry like that i mean what was it like three thousand bucks in streaming was like for three billion streams or something like that it's like ridiculous how much money it takes Uh, you get paid for for how much you have to get in terms of uh, participation from your audience for streaming so it's not really viable that's why record labels are not interested in classic contractual agreements which don't have things like a 360 deal you know they need to be making money other ways so they go to your merch they go to your concert tours they go to your everything right and now you know as as, as an indie artist you know people are like oh well i'm not gonna i'm not gonna go to a label because they want to They want to take all my stuff. But yeah, but look what we did to the entire label industry. All right. We totally upended it with Napster (laughs) as independents, by the way. okay, it was the people that did that. They said, you know, we're we're going to get music for free with this service. And then after that, they were like 10 years down the road. They're like, okay, we actually need new laws and new ways. So the labels came back and they said, we're going to do streaming. We're going to make you pay a monthly service to get any music that you want. And you would support your artists that way. And then now, you know, people don't even, uh, who, who buys cable anymore? You know, it's like, it's all streaming. And now look what happened. All the amount of cost that would have gone to a cable network. Now you're just paying for individual apps on, on streaming.
0: Right, which can be more these days, by the way, <laughs> which can like, be
1: more these days, we, and it's we, like yeah. insane, right? We've kind of so- turned
0: it upside down, man. I I sat through it, and I love YouTube. I'm I'm, I'm biased YouTube because they, they they send me you know money <laughs> and allow me to give calls to action <laughs> and allow us to give a call to action. Yeah, you go buy your course, right? But I I sat through one entire minute worth of ads. We're we're, you know, when we leave the house, we turn a, a music channel on for proto and cats just I don't know if they care or not, but we, we think they do. So but before that show would play, I saw the counter. They fortunately put a like a timer down there, but a whole minute's going by and I'm thinking, okay, I can skip now. Nope. Another ad comes up, a whole minute of ads. I'm like, okay, this is where we're at. So you're you're either forced to buy uh you know the subscription, which I'm considering doing but I already have Amazon. I already have Netflix. I don't have any more than that. I refuse to buy any more because we we ditched the $200 cable bill many years ago. Yep. This, you know? uh, so at least you can do a la carte and choose. But still, it's becoming more pricey and the ads are becoming a little bit more. Uh, but on that note, you know, I think for indie artists, this is like the best time ever, though, because we have the resources to market our products, our albums um and some people still buy physical products some people still buy cds and vinyl so that's something to consider um you know make sure you have a buying audience first there's demand for it before you go spend a bunch of money you know buying all that stuff i'm about to order 100 cds for overcome it and i'm releasing the cd a month after the release of the album for a reason because people are already asking hey man i want cd or cd i'm like well it's it's coming Uh, and i didn't really do that on purpose i just you know we we were in thailand for a month and I happen to come back and I'm like, oh, crap, my album's releasing in a couple of days. So I just got a little behind on things. But um, anyway, so you've got, you know, you got things like, you know, T-shirts and mugs and stuff like that. Uh, also, Ken, you know, we talked about talked about YouTube. We talked about courses. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. We also have talked about affiliate marketing, guys. If you let's say you don't really want to be on camera, you don't want a YouTube channel. You can start a website. Let's say you're a vocalist, okay? I know guitar, us guitar players are a dime a dozen, but let's say you're a vocalist and you want to share your secrets with people, or not even your secrets, but just your approach. You could write blog posts on that, And as that blog becomes popular, you can, you know, maybe get some sponsors and you can also have affiliates like you can link to your favorite mic. You can become a Sweetwater affiliate or Amazon affiliate. And if people read your posts and they click on that link, hey, here's a mic I use. Well, you get a small commission from that. And things like that can build, you know, Um, YouTube, if, if you wanted to do a YouTube channel, you know, or if you wanted to do TikTok or whatever, it doesn't matter. But just open up to other areas of income, even given one-on-one, one-on-one lessons is probably one of the best things you can do. Uh, People ask me for one-on-one lessons all the time. I I just don't have the bandwidth for that um, because all all our stuff's online. But if you had the time or were willing to devote the time to giving one-on-one lessons, that would be a good way to do that as well, right? To to get another source of income coming in. So there, there are many things that you can do, uh other than just relying on just your music being listened to.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you know, that's partially where we come in as a metal mastermind as a company for a lot of folks, because you know, what can an independent music musician do today if they don't have the capital like a label does? It's 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 acquire knowledge um and acting upon knowledge. So, you know, Metal Mastermind has been sort of now a resource for many metal musicians for a couple of years now. Um and, you know, we're growing. We're always constantly trying to improve the content that we create and our resources for our customers. But it's it's something that we believed in from the beginning because we were like, you know, Jason and I, when we started Metal Mastermind, we were already passionate about our own music and trying to make our own stuff happen. And we took the time and our own money, you know, to learn. Uh this was twenty sixteen you know yeah, we we we, ago, we we took our the time to learn this stuff on our own um and then we that's how we met you know we we were in a we were in our own mastermind group ball savvy musician elite, and that was where we learned from people like Leah and all these guys and then now we come uh here fast forward to today twenty twenty three almost twenty twenty four and we're you know doing something similar right, which is that we're learning uh ourselves also we're always continuing continuously learning uh trying to reach how to do better right how to create better content but we pass that information along it's it's kind of like you know if you're riding the elevator up you should you know (laughs) let people on uh to ride the elevator up with you so we're we're trying to do the same thing and send the elevator back down for other people to follow um and because we believe that that's what the future of, of making music should be it should be that we're not all you know dogs rabid dogs trying to fight for the same piece of food it's like we can we can find our own ways of making you know a living
0: there's enough
1: to go around we live especially if you live in the u.s i mean this is definitely the most abundant country in the world but you know <laughs> trying to get that abundance requires a bit of just know-how and, you know, that's what we're trying to do and trying to pave a path forward for others that, you know, can try to find a way for themselves too. Um, so, you know, when it comes to, uh, independent music and moving the needle forward, right. Learning to make a shop, learning to do these sorts of things, right. Uh, Jason and I, we're Thinking about well, actually, we're we're going to act on it now. But uh, starting next month in January, we're going to be opening up the new Metal Mastermind shop. Yes, uh, it'll be MetalMastermindShop.com. and that's where we'll find. Uh, you'll see new products. You'll see also uh, Jason's uh, new CD. It's going to be re released on Metal Mastermind.
0: <laughs> yep, that will be that will be coming out. I hope to have that available January first. But we'll, we'll have the merch and stuff like that. You know, for Metal Mastermind and my album, and of course, you know, Homeric. You're going to be on there too, Ken, with your, yes. with your with your project. So, yeah, we just decided to consolidate. It's like, okay, well, I've got an online shop. Ken's got a online shop. Metal Mastermind has one. Why don't we just combine everything? So, and you know, Ken, we don't want to go quite into this right now. I don't think, but we do have some future plans to expand the Metal Mastermind shop. In the future, so we'll talk more about that when we, <laughs> when we can. We haven't quite figured yes. it out. Yes, we, we've, we've mentioned
1: that uh, in a podcast a long time ago yeah, yeah, uh, we're, about we're. Put the the potential for you know creating a platform for musicians to come and buy and sell music on Metal Mastermind, and that is a dream that we want to create a reality. But before we put that out for you guys, we're, we're going to test it, it on it. ourselves to make it. sure that we are doing it right where are the guinea pigs yeah.
0: okay we'll, we'll yeah we'll, we'll get the process right before we before we you know but that's coming down the pipeline guys really really, uh, really excited about that so um, 100%. yeah um so percent. everything's gonna be on that but yeah dude i mean i'm excited i'm I, I love what we've done with the metal mastermind i hope you guys i hope you guys love it just as much i know a lot of you do and, and once thing we appreciate the, the, the comments coming across you know we see the comments on on uh on Facebook, on YouTube, and the emails that we get, so guys, uh, we appreciate that. And hey, you know, if we can ever do things better, you know, Ken and I, we have gone back and uh, and we have made changes to courses like at no additional charge, you know, yeah, for, for you guys. So if we can do things better, even on the podcast, if there's things you guys want us to talk about. Hey, drop us an email, man. Just go to go to metalmastermind.com. You'll find our contact info in there, and just drop us a line and let us know or. Or just comment on on our Facebook or something like that. You know, let us know because we want to. Uh, we're, we're here to serve you guys first and foremost. That's what we're here to do. And like Ken said, you know, it, it's uh, it's something that we want to hand down as we learn things. We're going to share it. I we have no secrets. Ken and I, we have zero secrets. Uh, we will share our failures, and of course, we'll share the things that work for us with you guys. And uh, we'll continue to do that. It's kind of like. Um, it, one of my favorite books, I'll say this real quick, is uh, Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And I can't remember which habit this was, but it's called Creating a Win-Win. Uh, and me personally, if it's not a win-win, even if I win, if, if I win but you don't win, I'm not really interested in that. Because that only takes me so far, and it, and it, only, it doesn't really do a whole lot right, in the world to make the world a better place. And I'm not getting all like, you know, I don't know, hippie on you guys or whatever. Yeah. You, you got to work hard, right? (laughs) And I'm sure it's going to be taken the wrong way by some, but whatever, you got to work hard. You got to, you know, you got to put effort into things and I do believe that, you know, you need to earn your way, but we want to help you earn your way, right? We want to help you and give you the tools to help you earn your way and be a part of that together as opposed to acting like this is some competition is it's not.
1: Yeah. Well, we already live in a very competitive world, so we don't need to add to that. <laughs> we
0: don't need to no, add No, absolutely not, dude.
1: No. Yeah. You know, and the fact that any of you, especially if you're listening to this podcast, you know, you are a person who's interested in developing themselves to do greater things. That's just that's a fact. You are a fraction of a percent of a population that wants to do more uh, for their music for yeah. themselves, and then that's that's exactly why we still do what we do because you're still here, right? So we want to serve that and we're just passionate about what we do, right? So um, stick around. You know, there's better, bigger things coming to Metal Mastermind and 2024 is going to be awesome. I'm super hyped about it and uh, I can't wait to see what's on the other side, brother. Jason,
0: um, what's your uh, metal song of the week? The metal song of the week. You know what? I've gotta go back to um and I'm just I'm like I heard a lot of stuff this week and I'm trying to find it in my iTunes right now. Um where's it at? I'm calling out kind of a classic here, guys, and I didn't really I didn't really get into Iron Maiden until way later for whatever reason. It's kind of strange how that happened, but their song Fear of the Dark dude there's something like yeah something creepy about that song man it's just and that was one of their what was this release this is off the um uh fear the dark here fear the dark album released in 1998 so Mm -hmm. i just think that's a killer tune man i love that song and again i didn't get into maiden until way later like uh for whatever reason you know so many bands I i was a huge like Puppets and Justice because that's that's what you know Metallica's albums, started me playing guitar. And then I got into Guns N' Roses and Scorpions and that sort of thing. But for some reason just never never listened much to Iron Maiden. I, I wish I would have because I know what I loved it. But anyway, Fear of the Dark Maiden, killer tune, man. What about oh
1: you? dude, yeah. I mean uh Number of the Beast was a thing that really got me into Maiden.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> wow. Uh such a great album. Uh, actually today I'm uh, picking Thy Art is Murder. Ooh. Uh really, really Cool band. they broke up a while ago, unfortunately. But they have uh an awesome song here that I like, which is called Shadow of Eternal Sin. Um one of the things I think about Thy Artist Murder, which I thought was always kind of interesting, was the sound of the drums, which was Mm. it's it I I think it's a lot of triggers on this album, but it's it's it fits what they were trying to do. It's also what I noticed is like the guitars are super processed. Like there's like very, very clean cuts because they like to do like the pan left and right oh, yeah. kind of you know you know like with the left and right kind of going back and forth but it's a very interesting production and it's very clean very big like the drum sound beefy and mean like i like i like the word mean in this in this song but it's coming off their album called hate so uh nice. i think that's uh <laughs> pretty relevant
0: <laughs> Yeah, yes what's your time of murder right yeah. Cool stuff. Well, guys, thank you so much for, uh, for hanging out with us at Metal Mastermind. Hope you guys enjoy the podcast. Hey, remember, go to MetalMastermind.com. MetalMastermind.com. Check out the courses. I know a lot of you listening are in our courses. Uh, we just released a new base course, Rich Gray from Annihilator metal bass master Ken, you've got your metal music theory course out there we got guitar courses so we've got our songwriting course metal songwriters forge is definitely one you should check out if, if you're really serious about you know writing music with you as an artist solo artist or with a band check those out though guys metalmastermind.com we're here to serve you and until next time as always create your own sound